the modern family. It's a wild ride, isn't it? I love that story because it's, uh, it's, it's such powerful storytelling in, in just a couple of minutes. And it tells a, a story of a lifelong friendship between a married couple. I don't know about you, but when I walked down that aisle 31 years ago, I said, this is it. I mean, th- this is it. And I'm going to make this thing last a lifetime. And I think one of the most powerful things that can take place in a marriage, in a modern marriage, in any marriage, is that you develop a friendship. Now, we're in this series, and Blake kicked it off in a great way last week. But, you know, I I understand this as I speak to a group this size and our second service. Anytime I talk about marriage, I'm aware that there's probably 20% of the people in this congregation that are probably single. And I'm going to ask you to engage in and through this series because, first of all, I'm going to be talking to you in a week or two. But also, the things that I am talking about will either help prepare you for when you come to that great day of marriage, or it can really, you can make some unilateral application across the board to the relationships that you deal with today. Now, some of you are going to be listening this morning as well, and you may be in a fragile family situation right now where you feel like you're just on the precipice of disaster. Or maybe you feel like you're just hanging by a thread. You look good. You got it together. Everyone thinks you do, but guess what? You know you're in trouble. And I'm hoping throughout this series that some of us will be challenged to reconfigure and recalibrate the priorities of what it means to have a good modern marriage based on the Bible. See, so many people today, they make their children gods, little gods, and they forget about making sure they take care of their marriage. And I want to challenge you today to make sure through this series, and we'll be talking about children, raising our kids and dealing with our kids and working with our kids, but never forget, loved ones, that the most important relationship that your children will learn from is how you do marriage. It's their boot camp. It's where they learn how to relate. It's where they learn from you how to resolve problems. And I don't say any of this because I know that there's a number of people here that have been divorced. And I don't say any of this to pile on or make you feel worse or make you feel guilty. A lot of us have experienced that. Therefore, that's been forgiven. But the key is, is what are we going to do now as we move forward? And that's what I really want to talk to you about today. See, when God first created man and woman, he united them in marriage. It talks about it in Genesis chapter 2. And in verse 24, it says this, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The word united there literally is a picture of two pieces of wood, how we would see it, being glued together. So what happens when that is broken apart. Well, it's splintered and it's broken. So see, when God unites something, he says, you know what? The reason I call this uniting is I want it to stay together for the duration. I don't want it splintered and broken apart. His call is for people to grow together, to stay connected. And I believe one of the best and the greatest ways to do that is to establish your mate as your friend. I'm convinced of this. The best marriages always start, work through, and end as a great friendship. And that's what I love about that little animation clip there from Up. You see them go through the changing vicissitudes of life where everything happens. We all understand that. We laugh at it. We chuckle. Why? Well, because we've had to break that piggy bank too. And we've had to console one another and we've had to love one another through some difficult times. How do you do that? Well, I'm convinced that it's you stay. You become and you stay good friends. I want to read a couple of uh, quotes from a book someone gave me a number of years ago. It's called Advice for a Happy Marriage. Debbie Dietz Crawford wrote this. She's a third grade teacher. And one day she was getting, she was, uh, she'd become engaged. And so she told her, asked her third grade, says, well, what advice would you give me for a good marriage? And so this is, I'm just going to give you a few of them. Well, my advice is if there are two cupcakes and the man takes the one with not as much frosting, he really loves you. (laughs) Now, listen, ladies, don't take this too seriously, okay? I would never give up the frosting, even for my bride. Uh, You need to kiss every once in a while. 
That's probably pretty healthy. Try to agree on things. I love this. Have fun, time with celebrations, and make sure to celebrate days like Halloween. I prefer Christmas, but I'll, I'll take anything to celebrate. Another child said this. My advice is to say you love each other. Listen to this. For the rest of your lives. Pretty smart kids. Take breaks from each other. Once in a while. Amen. <laughs> listen. Listen now. When we do these marriage things, it's really important that you stay focused ahead. Be careful where you're placing amen, and I don't want to see any elbows going, okay? <laughs> Give lots of love to each other and respect one another. Amen. <laughs> this is my favorite. This kid is coming from somewhere where I don't know, but I like what they say. Please stay wealthy. <laughs> This kid probably goes to Hawaii every year and says, man, I don't want to lose that gig. (laughs) Be together when you can. And then the last is most important, have a fun marriage and love each other no matter what. That feels great. So how do you do this thing? How do you... Because I see a lot of marriages, and I got to tell you, I see a lot of them that they lose the friendship factor. And they just become... So many people just... they, They get... Life going and stuff happening, and all of a sudden, you know what they turn into? They're they're roommates, at best. And that was never God's intention, because God created us for incredible companionship, for wonderful times together. So how do you how do you kind of keep this friendship thing going? Well, I'm going to give you just four simple things this morning, and this is about as practical as it gets. But this is really important. First thing is you be together. Best friends grow together. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 5 fairly quickly. If you've got your Bibles, just turn to Ephesians chapter 5. I'm not going to unpack this today, but I'm going to make a couple of comments. And A lot of our Bibles start this whole thing of relationships between husband and wife as a picture of Jesus' love for the church. They started at verse 22, but it really starts at verse 21. Ephesians 5, verse 21 says this, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What that is, is submission is really, it's not somebody being over, it's not the dictator, it's not the CEO of the home, it's, well, it's the leader, the loving leader. But you'll notice before they get into marriage, it says this, you submit to one another. Remember this, before you ever become husband and wife, what are you? You are brother and sister in the Lord. And so Paul, as he's writing, as he gets ready to kind of do the the preamble to marriage, he says, never forget that. You, you, You are to learn to be mutually submitted before you learn this other part of submission. It says this, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. I, I got people now that literally tell me, well, listen, Pastor, I know you're going to do our wedding, but don't, don't use that word submit. <laughs> I've had people come up to me after weddings and go, well, who do you think you are? <laughs> now, now, listen, let me, uh, I, I got to be careful because I could really, I could go do a pretty big riff on this, but I, I don't want to go there. <laughs> Submission is a military term that really has to do with Alignment. When I sit in in premarital counseling, I say, listen, when it talks about submission there, first of all, it has to come from a guy, I mean, a a leader that's loving like Jesus. And I've not seen a couple yet. I'm sure they're out there, but I've not seen a couple yet where the man, if he loves his wife like Jesus, she can't submit to that. Because really the word submit has to do with coming into alignment with it's, it's not being under as much as it's being alignment with. That you're going the same direction. Before you get married, you make decisions together. Say, this is in a perfect way. This is what we would do together. So there's no big surprises. And you begin to align before you get married. And when a guy loves like Jesus, I have yet to see a woman who doesn't say, well, even when they make some mistakes, I can, I can live with this. I trust him. Because it says that uh, that for, for the husband is the head of the wife, the leader, as Christ is the head of the church. Listen, why do I do what Jesus says? Two reasons. I love him, he loves me, and I trust him. 
And that's the way a marriage should be. Now, as the church, verse 24, submits to Christ, also wives should submit to their husbands. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, to present herself to him as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies, because he who loves, because he Because he who loves his wife loves himself. This is what I know. I have married some couples that I can say the bride was not that beautiful. (laughs) Don't laugh at me. You know. (laughs) But you know what? Because of the man they lived with, they become more beautiful. There begin to be this, this radiance that radiated from them. Can I tell you something else? I've married a lot of beautiful women. And unfortunately, over time, I've seen their beauty diminish because of the man they lived with. And see, that's what Jesus, that's what Paul is saying here, that when you, when you do it God's way, guess what? There is a beautifying effect on that bride, on that woman that nobody can bring about except for the words and the language of love that is spoken and talked about in that home. And that's why best friends have to learn to grow together. See, i got to tell you, you've you, you got to learn to enjoy each other's company. See, Trina and I, listen, we are best friends. I'd rather be with her than anybody in the whole wide world. And i got great friends. i got great friends here in church. i got great friends where I'm from, but there's no one else I'd rather be with. We can, we can kick it back and we can have a great time. We can sit in the house and not say anything for an hour, <laughs> two hours, whatever, reading or watching a movie. And we're good with that. You know why? Because we like to just be together. It isn't that I have to do, I don't have to perform. And neither does she. We can enjoy silence or we can enjoy laughter together. Now, there's an important part of this that while her and I love to be together, you know what? We're also pretty comfortable being apart. Remember what the girl said? Take some time to be apart. Now, listen, marriages uh, usually end up in, in probably about one of three ways, where they become really too dependent. You ever seen marriages where the, one of the partners is clingy, demanding, and suffocating? It's often a really major sign of insecurity. Can I tell you something? Permission needs to be given for individuality and to develop your own interests. There shouldn't be controlling. There shouldn't be demands that are unreasonable on a person's time. They should be able to blossom together. As the student said, take breaks from each other once in a while. Because all of us need breathing room. See, when I, when I go golfing or if I have to travel, and I've been doing a lot of traveling in the last five months... When I leave, Trina isn't standing at the door grabbing my ankles. Oh, Terry, don't go! <laughs> or if I want to go golfing during, you know, during some time, she's not going. Oh, you're going to go golfing again! <laughs> you know what she does? She stands at the door, gives me a hug, and says, Honey, I cannot wait till you get home. Bye! And then she parties with a bunch of people. It's incredible. (laughs) Now, listen, this is what I know. She loves me, and so it's easy for her to say goodbye. She doesn't try and control me. She doesn't come home and go, man, you're gone for a week this time. What in the world? She gives me incredible freedom. And I do the same for her. And I want to say every one of you need that in a relationship. Now, as the girl said, or as the book said, it shouldn't be for too long or too, too frequently. Because, see, it says you don't want to become too dependent where you smother a person, but you don't want to become independent. That's not good either. If you spend too much time apart, you begin to develop separate agendas. Too much time apart can do what? Some people say it makes the heart grow fonder, and that's true. But it can also make the heart grow colder. 
In their monumental studies in American couples, Bloomstein and Schwartz reported this. We find that those who spend a lot of time away from each other on separate vacations, have separate friends, dine apart frequently, have a lower survival rate in their marriage. I love what Red Skeleton said. He said this. He he did these like 17 things on what makes a happy marriage. He said, two times a week we go to a nice restaurant. We have a little beverage, a good food, and companionship. She goes on Tuesdays. I go on Fridays. (laughs) Uh, that's, that's probably not what they're talking about. That's not real healthy. But see, some couples, they simply grow apart because they stop spending time together. And pretty soon, this jeopardizes not only the friendship, but the marriage. See, the best alternative isn't that we're overly dependent, we're overly independent, but we become interdependent with one another. It's the place where you have freedom to grow and to blossom. And as you grow... You you get to meet the needs of the other person and love them like Jesus loves you. See, a marriage group years ago uh, that I was involved in here teaching a Bible study, it was an interesting, interesting small group. But this woman was asked if her husband made her happy all the time. Talk about being put on the spot. But she had a classic response because it was a white group and we were having a lot of fun. And she says, no, not really. Now, that place got really really quiet. And her husband leaned forward. And he's, well, what's the answer going to be? You know what she said? She said, I learned a long time ago that God didn't intend for my husband to make me happy and meet all my needs. The Lord spoke to me one day and said, I've got to bring happiness and joy and fulfillment into this marriage. I cannot be dependent upon him to do that. Okay, so some of you are thinking, oh, okay, honey, I can see the elbows going now. See, even the preacher said it. I can't meet all your needs. That's not totally what I'm saying, because there are needs that we are called to meet. We're called to love our spouses. But how does this all work out? Let me give you a mantra that I've kind of used in a lot of years. And it's really helped me. If you want to be a better parent, be a better partner, and be a better person. If you want to be a better parent, be a better partner. If you want to be a better partner, be a better person. You get that? So we want to focus on one, but... Ultimately, it's all about becoming a better person. See, the foundation for life change and growth together is in an intimate and growing relationship with Jesus Christ. See, God loves you more than you can imagine. And when you find your true self and understand that your identity is really in Him, not in your spouse, not in what you do, life just gets so much better. See, then you can move from dependence or independence to interdependence together. The key is to concentrate, first of all, loved ones, on your own personal growth. In your notes there, you'll see this. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice he does not say, Grow in the grace and knowledge of your marriage. He does not say each person grow. He does say each person grow in Christ and mature. If you want a healthy marriage without the necessity and the priority of growing in Jesus Christ, you're probably going to be greatly disappointed. And there's incredible resources out there today in terms of marriage stuff, videos, DVDs, teachings. But if you make that your focus, can I tell you something? You're going to be disappointed. Because you really can't grow in your marriage unless you're growing yourself. And that's what happens in so many marriages. One or both partner quits growing. But you get older. Things change. And that's why it's so imperative that you become a growing person in Jesus Christ. You know, that's what they say on the airplanes every time I fly. What do they do? They drop this little oxygen mask and they go, listen, you put this on you before you put it on your child or another person. Why? Because you've got to take care of yourself. And see, so many of us in marriage, what do we do? Well, we focus on the marriage. Oh, if I just get a healthy marriage. But we don't take care of the unhealthy things in us that need to be dealt with and confronted. See, the better goal is, God, would you please work at changing me 
and that I cooperate and listen to you so I can grow and mature. So I learn how to love my spouse as you love me. He's a big difference. And that's why sometimes people go through marriage counseling, marriage counseling, and marriage counseling, and read books, and watch DVDs, and listen, and, you know, but they never, never get it because they personally aren't growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. See, my wife has been an incredible blessing to me where she has given me the room to grow because you, you, I've told you hundreds of times, I come out of dysfunction junction. I mean, we're totally different. But she's given me the ability to grow. But let me tell you, ultimately that has helped. But the bottom line to wherever I am in terms of making our marriage work from my end is that God has used his word to chisel away things in my heart and life because as James 1 says, it's become a mirror. And the reflection that I see is what I need to change. Very seldom have I had to talk to Trina or have we conversed about her changing. It's usually me. And that's true. If you grow in Christ, if your identity is in him, loved ones, you'll grow and your marriage will grow. When Pastor Wayne was here two, a little over two weeks ago, or just two weeks ago now, when he was here, he said something to me over dinner. He said, Terry, this is what you need to do. Invest in yourself more than you invest in your ministry. I've never done that. I've always invested in the ministry. But he said this, the reason so many pastors burn out today is because they invest in the ministry so much, but they don't invest in themselves and take care of themselves and build themselves. And that's true about a marriage. So often we say, okay, I'm going to do this in my marriage. I'm going to do this. We try and do all these little nifty little cool things over here, and it doesn't change anything because we're not growing. If you want to have a good friendship, invest in yourself. See where you need to change and grow. And that friendship, I guarantee you, loved ones, will begin to blossom. The second thing is this, talk together. Best friends communicate. I've never seen friends. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about friends. I've never seen friends that don't consistently communicate. See, most marriage counselors consider communication to be the most important key to building a satisfying marriage. I talk to people all the time. They say their biggest problem is in the area of communication. Uh, Dr. Clark, uh, Dr. Neil Clark Warren reported that in a study of 500 marriages, one researcher determined that marital success is more closely linked to communication skills than any other factor. One of the most common remarks I hear from couples who have just fallen in love is what? Oh, we can talk about anything. Remember those days? Guys? We'd spend hours on the phone. I hate the phone. <laughs> but but I, I loved her. And so I could talk, you know, for 10 or 15 minutes. It was incredible. <laughs> but, but uh, you know, uh, okay, I'd probably an hour. I'd give it to her. But, you know, a- after time of marriage, what happens? All that communication begins to diminish behind the sports page, behind from the TV, texting now, email, computer. And no longer are we good communicators. Dr. Ray Rhodes, a Dallas psychologist, reports that the average couple married 10 years or more only spends 37 minutes in connecting in communication during the week. I mean, whole healthy, good communication. And think about it. It probably makes sense because so many of us, I mean, especially if you have children, you're spending so much time with them. But it is imperative, loved ones, that we, that we ramp that up. See, Dr. Willard Harley in his book, it's a great book called His Needs, Her Needs, says this, if a husband seriously wants to meet his wife's needs to feel close to him, he will have to give sufficient time and attention to the area of communication. He goes on to say that a husband should commit to 15 hours a week. (laughs) And all the ladies go... He's making a point there. 37 weeks, 37 minutes a week just doesn't cut it. And then you wonder why you fall out of friendship. And then you wonder why you fall out of love and fall out of marriage. Guys, this communication thing is critical. It's especially important for us to get it right. Men and women, we know this. We communicate on different re- for different reasons, don't we? Generally, men want to communicate to fix problems. Let's take care of this. Amen. Bottom line, Period. Well, women want to talk to be understood and to connect. (laughs) Men see conversation as a means to an end. 
Let's get to it. You want the answer? I'll give it to you. Ladies, you tend to view it as the end in itself. Let's just talk. Look at this cartoon up here. You probably can't read it, but it says this. Uh, the, the comic is, uh, why we never fail to, why, we, uh, why we'll never understand each other. Now, this is what he hears. Honey, why don't you put your head in a vice and I'll turn the handle until your skull explodes. That's what he hears. But this is what she actually said. Honey, well, why don't we turn off the TV and just talk? <laughs> oh, and all the guys go, ah, busted. See, communication with loved ones is critical. And sometimes we need to laugh about it so that we can kind of get a you know, it's better to two by four, isn't it? See, let's look at this scenario. Sally knows that if she wants to feel close to Sam, I mean, he's got to talk to her. They've got to connect. They've got to communicate. So she says, Sam, let's talk. So without lowering his paper, Sam asks, what would you like to talk about? Uh, How many men believe that's an acceptable response? (laughs) How many men have done that? See, what's the problem? See, while that can be a typical response, it raises the ire of Sally because she feels devalued and diminished. And the very thing that she wants to do that will help connect her to her husband, Sam, is broken. So he might understand her aggravation a little bit better if we took this line of thought. Sam says, Sally, let's make love. And uh, Sally responds, why? Do you want more children? (laughs) That's not the answer I was looking for, honey. But you see, that's how it is for a woman. And just like us guys, we understand that. That's why communication and connection is so important with our friend. See, See, Sam sees conversation as a means to an end, but for Sally... It's just part of the process. Listen, and this is for both. Remember, most of us fall in love with someone who used to set aside extravagant amounts of time to exchange conversation and affection with them. They stay in love. You stay in love. I stay in love. We stay in love with someone who will continue to meet those needs. Set aside time to be friends, to listen to one another, understand each other's feelings, dialogue, the conversation. So often we just want to drop verbal bombs and complaints. And then we wonder why we're not friends, why we're not lovers. Get away for a season, loved ones, from the, from the distractions of the phone, the computer, the TV, the email. Be alone with your spouse. Give them undivided attention. I don't care if you've got 10 kids. Figure it out. Do away. You've got to protect that for the health of you two as well as your children. See, I, I, whenever I talk to premarital counseling people, you know what, where I always start? I always start. I say, tell me, about your, tell me about your parents' marriage, your relationship. And you would be surprised how many, I, how many students, I mean students, how many people I talk to, how many newlyweds or fiancés, and they're getting ready to get married, and they say, yeah, my parents just lived in a cold war for all my life. So you never learned how to be angry and work through it. You never learned how to love and... Be, you know, be kind and care. No, they just, they just existed. So they go into these marriages expecting that that's how they learn to cope with issues. You know, they just kind of set up a cold war. And they don't learn how to, to be passionate. They don't learn how to grow together. They don't learn how to deal with problems and issues. See, this communication thing is really important. You'll see on your notes there a couple of scriptures. What does Jesus, or what does Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5? He says, how we talk to one another. It says Jesus washes you and I with his words. That's how he, he, he removes spots and wrinkles. I stand every time I do a wedding ceremony, I stand up here or wherever I am, and I do this in every ceremony. And I say, young man, or old man, or whatever kind of man he is, if this bride ever looks, like, looks less beautiful today, than she does today and any time in the future. And now she's going to have spots and wrinkles, but if she ever looks any less beautiful, you're the reason. Because it's how you talk to her. It's how you live with her. 
It's how you non-verbally communicate to her. Our words are that powerful because Jesus says, I've given you my word. Paul says, I've given you the word. And this is what tells you how to live. And every time I read this, I begin to look at things in my own heart and life. Oh, Terry, just a little bit selfish there. Let's clean that up. And guess what? That begins to get removed. And husbands, wives, our communication should be doing the same thing in our lives. Now, um, let me give you these. I'm not going to go over these. I'll unpack this in another talk, but they're in your notes, and I know some of you want this. So there's a great book. It's called uh, Love Languages. Remember this. Every one of us have tanks in our lives. We have energy tanks. We have spiritual tanks. We have emotional tanks, and they always need to be replenished. In a married situation, how you communicate, we have a love tank. And there's five key ways that we, we understand love and we experience love from our spouse. And it's uh, five key areas. I, I learned this, that, you know something, there's ways that you communicate love and you do it that way because that's how you feel filled up, your love tank gets filled up. But your spouse may not get that. Let me, let me give you these five ways to fill love tanks. Number one, words of affirmation. They're just encouraging words where you speak love and you you talk and you say it. This is my number one love language. You want to make me feel loved? Tell me I'm the greatest. (laughs) You want to make me feel unloved? Tell me I'm the worst. Secondly, quality time together. Two parts to this. You have quality conversations and quality activities. You spend time together. It isn't just killing time, but it's fulfilling time and doing things together. The third one is gifts. Visual symbols that communicate in significant ways. Some of you gals are thinking, woohoo! Rings and jewelry. No. No, no, no. It's not, it could be that. But it could be as simple as you're driving on the way home. And I know that, you know, maybe Trina likes $100,000 bars, candy bars. So I stop and I pick one up and I say, here, honey, here's a little gift for you. If that's her love language, that'll be like a diamond ring. Because I'll give it to her and I'll say, I just think about you, honey. And see, that's what a gift does. It says, I thought about you. I know what you like. And now I know you'll love me. Now I know you'll love me. The other one is acts of service. It's one of those things where around the house or you do things to serve your spouse. Jesus did that for the disciples, remember? He's always doing that for the disciples. Wash their feet, making them breakfast. The perfect man, you know? In more ways than one. But um, he, he did all these acts of service for these people. For his disciples, for the people around them. Now, this is not Trina's love language. Thank God, or we'd have been divorced. Because <laughs> I can't fix anything or do much around the house. Pay bills and do all that kind of stuff. But listen, you find out what the love language is. The last one is this, physical touch. A lot of people, this is their love language. Now, some of you are thinking, oh, you bet, baby, I love sex. <laughs> Got you there. No, no, no. It's really not about sexual intimacy. It's just about growing in connection of intimacy together. Where when I touch you, I hold your hands in public. I'm not a big, I'm not a big PDA guy, public displays of affection. Trina has to grab my hand. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> but she understands that. So we work it out. And we do other things. But you might... <laughs> Easy, girl. That's always the problem with having your wife in the front row. We're going to move on. See, sometimes our spouse doesn't feel love because we're not filling their love tank. Jesus said this in John 15. Listen to what he says. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves but I, because the master doesn't confide in slaves. Now you're my friend since I've told you everything the Father told me. Jesus calls us friends. Why? Because he's revealed himself to us. He's given his word to tell us how much he loves us, what he wants us to do, how he wants us to live. Guys, gals, that's what Jesus wants us to do so that we can grow in this friendship. Uh, third thing is do, do together. Best friends share common interests and goals. Did you know 80% of divorces in America don't come by reason of death, abandonment, or divorce, they're based on irreconcilable differences. The Bible never talks about that. See, God says, when I come into your life, if you're going to be two growing people, guess what I want you to do? I want you to grow together. 
I want you to learn to love one another. In the midst of your brokenness that you bring from your past, from that is systemic to your family, I want you to get healed. So what do we do? Well, you've got to learn to establish some common interests and goals. Amos 3.3 says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? See, so many want to hedge on this on the front end of marriage. Singles, and I'm really talking to you here too. You've got to find somebody that is aligned with you spiritually, emotionally. Because when you begin to get those two things together, and you have common goals and interests, life just gets a rhythm that becomes so much easier and fun. Now see, salvation experience with Jesus Christ is three parts. It's past. This is what Jesus did for us on the cross. He gave us forgiveness of sins. But then there's this present thing where we get to work it out. We get to grow in him, don't we? We get to be changed and transformed into his image. 2 Corinthians 3. So we look more like him every day. And all of these have incredible truths for your marriage. But let me just focus on this part. Did you know there's a future tense aspect of our salvation? What is it? We get to anticipate what? Eternity with Jesus Christ. I don't want to die yet. I got a six-month-old grandson, and I want to raise him till he's 25. I want to be around him. You know, I want to see him get married, and I want to be able to be a spiritual influence on his life. So I really don't want to die. But if I do, yahoo! I'm ready. Heaven, I can't wait. I anticipate that. Now let's make a, just a quick practical application here. How many of you are anticipating something in your marriage right now. I don't, I'm not asking for you to raise your hands, but you should be anticipating something in your marriage right now. Now, let me put the guys on the spot. Are you giving your wives something to anticipate? See, this, this talks about Jesus says that we're his bride, and we get to anticipate being with Jesus when we die. Men. What are you giving your wife to anticipate next week, next month, next year? Do you have some goals? See, I told Trina when we got married, I said, honey, listen, we both kind of come from, I come from real, I says, I'll guarantee you, stick with me, we'll, we'll have a much better future than I ever had in my past. Now, the interesting thing is, is every move we've ever made has been downwardly mobile. <laughs> from housing to money to all of these things. But what's also been amazing is it also turned into an upwardly mobile move after a season of time. Do you know my wife come home? I mean, she came home, I come home, somebody come home, we were both there. <laughs> it was probably six months ago. She looked at me, she goes, Terry, I just want you to know, if you ever want to leave and go anywhere, I'm with you. Now, she wasn't unhappy here, nothing going on. But see, every other move we've ever made, it was always, ah, you know, and then we'd get there, ah, it's time to go, dear, ah. <laughs> and so now she just volunteers and says, honey, I just want you to know, I'm with you, man. If you want to do a new adventure, it's because we have goals, because we serve Jesus Christ together. And see, our focus is simply pleasing him. And in the process, guess what we do? We please one another. Men, I want to challenge you. Paint a preferable picture. Give your wife a vision for the future. It will keep her engaged. It will keep you together. Isn't that the whole idea of up? Watch the whole movie. Their whole focus was what? To get to paradise falls together with one another. That kept them together. Question, guys, what is your preferable future? In this life, the most important thing, all the struggles and up and down, is that you have a vision for the future. We're all going to get troubles. I want to invite my best friend to come up. I just want to talk to her for a second. Let you guys in on. Honey, can I trust you? Okay. Of course. This is my bride of 31 years. You gotta sit down, girl. Well, you can sit down and face them over there. How's okay. that? I've always told you, honey, if you want a church, then you make the decisions. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Take a share a drink. Oh yeah. I made this. Okay. 
Well, tell me, girl, what would you say? We're, we're pretty good friends, right? Yes. What has probably been the key to our friendship? What would you say is the key? He's looking at my notes because he doesn't know what I wrote. I don't know what she's going to say. Actually, I feel like I could could have written this book from my notes that I wrote this morning, right? Okay. Well, I was going to make it really simple. But um, the only simple part of the first was my first point, and that is that you have to have God in the mix of your relationship. So um, when you add people to the mix, then all of a sudden it gets complicated. And um, we keep, can I just, can I read all this? Because I'm going to just read my points. Um, So we keep, oh, I'm sorry, Gary, I did that. He told me not to do that. Um, We keep, we keep God, we keep God the center of our lives. And we make sure that we're each growing as people and that we're not the the Holy Spirit for each other. Mm -hmm. That's not my job. And I'm thankful for that. We respect each other as individuals. We actually like each other and who each other is as a person. We have fun together and we laugh a lot. Uh, we, don't have any, we don't have expectations on each other, but we have to have expectations for ourselves. And I wouldn't, I, would, I wouldn't do anything that I wouldn't ask you to, or you wouldn't ask me to do something that you wouldn't do yourself. We give 100% into our relationship. We love a lot. And we make sure that we keep our date night, even if it's just hanging at home, like you said. Um, we allow each other to have friends and that we get to have our friends' nights out. So I'm glad you said that earlier, because that's true. It's, it's fun. We get to do things ind- independently from each other. We dream together. And my Paradise Falls is almost like Paradise Falls. It's uh, our vacations together. Can't wait. That's coming. Um, we love our kids and our grandbaby. And when you said communication this morning, that's so true. It, um, we t- uh, you tell each other... That you, what you love about each other. We talk about things and we dream together. And I love that. Um, but that means that you have to trust each other. And it only has happened recently. I mean, not recently, but like in the last 10 years where I really felt confident in myself enough that I knew that you really loved me, that you loved me, that you loved me. You know, and that I could be secure in that so then I could step out and do things that I knew um, were okay. So I finally realized that you love me no matter what. And that was my own deal anyway. It wasn't yours because you always told me that. Um, I wish I had been more secure in myself and knew who God made me so that I wouldn't have to go through all that. Um, I wrote that word. Bad word. Go ahead. It was a lot of crap. <laughs> I didn't like that one. Bad girl. <laughs> it's stuff. That's right. It's just stuff. And it's it is stuff. just stuff. It yeah. is. But, um, but I think that when um, us, everyone, not just us girls, but if we can um, be who God wants us to be, then we will be a better person, a better lover, a better friend. Um, so that's, that's really kind of what I've learned in our relationship. And that's what keeps, I think, our, keeps our friendship fun. Awesome. Thank you. Well, PDA. Thank you, dear. And I, you know what, though? I don't really care about that. You don't care. I know. I could do that. (laughs) I I did not tell her what I... I never tell her what I'm talking about. I mean, in terms of points or anything, I just give her the thing. And I said, I don't want to know what you're saying. And so all that stuff was actually um, on our own, in case you thought we were in cahoots or something. (laughs) Last thing I want to say, and we're going to finish, I want to go back to the up video in just a second. Play together. Best friends have fun. They say couples that pray together stay together. I believe that, but I also believe that couples that, pray, that play together have a great chance to stay together as well. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says this, Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of your life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all that you do, your earthly toil here. Oh God, give that kind of heart to every man. That we can look at our bride and say, I have loved you and I love you and you're an incredible reward for where I am. Best friends like to have fun. I've never known people that are friends that they didn't like to have fun together to laugh. Your spouse should be your playmate. I mean, your, um, your, the, the person that you like to play with and have fun with. <laughs> I come home, I think what I'm going to start, Trina, can we go out and play? You know, that's the way it should be. 
<laughs> and if you don't get to that place, you know what? Life will get boring. Your marriage will get boring. And I've got to tell you this. It's kind of like, oh, gaining weight. All of a sudden, you start gaining, and you gain, and you gain. And then you look in the mirror, and you go, oh, my gosh. How did I get there? You come, marriage is the same way, loved ones. It just gets on a slow track to boredom. And then one day you look at each other or you look in the mirror, how did I get here? I'm not even happy. You've got, you've got to have fun. The Bible talks about it. Because you're gonna change, you're gonna face all these difficult times in your life. They will either make you or break you. They will either solidify or they'll reveal, reveal the cracks that are already in your life and in your marriage. Someone said it this way: if you can laugh at it, you can live with it. Learn in the joy of the Lord. Not some kind of Pollyanna response, but learn to live life to the fullest in Christ with your mate. And if you're single, I want to challenge you. You'd be looking for someone that can do that, that can bring life and joy to your life. And you bring it to them. The goal is to live and love for a lifetime, isn't it? Watch the rest of this up clip, if you would, please. Friends, that's a reality. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to say, you know something? While we understand that's the reality, we want to get to that place that we rejoice and love and live life to the fullest with each other. To give our best and to grow in Christ together. Amen. I want you to just take your programs there for a second. And I want to challenge you to just think about where are you in your marriage today? Maybe some of us re- need to reconnect. Maybe some of us need to re-envision our future so we can begin to have a paradise fall that we're looking for, that we can be like Jesus and give our spouse something to dream and to look forward to. It might be as simple as a date night. It might be as simple as a vacation for three days. It might be something bigger, grander. But that you do this in Christ and you do it together. I want to just encourage you for a moment. Just take a note there and on your connections card. Maybe you just need to say, this is what I need to do this week. Some of you probably need to have a date night and just sit down and learn to communicate again and to commit to loving again and to become friends again so you can grow together. Not too long from now, we're going to have a dynamic marriage class that a number of people have been blessed in and through. And uh, that's a great opportunity for some of you if you just want to grow closer and get some dynamic help or you just want to get some dynamic reinforcement to help you grow forward. It's a great class that we encourage and that'll be available real soon too. Would you stand with me? As the ushers come to receive our offering this morning. If you're our guest this morning, I want to welcome you and thank you for coming. We're thrilled that you're here. Please fill out a connections card if you would to let us know you were here and drop it in the offering. If you're a guest, we don't ask for anything from you. We just want you to receive from us today and be blessed and encouraged. And uh, if, uh, if you haven't had time to fill out your connections card, there's a little uh, plastic box on the back that you can uh, drop it in as well. Father, I pray, Lord, we've got to laugh. We've probably got to cry a little bit. We've probably been challenged in different areas. But I pray, Lord, that we really would learn to commit our hearts and our lives to you first 
and be growing in you so we can begin to grow and work these things out together. Thank you, Lord, for this precious people that, are Creek, that make up Creekside. And I pray for every marriage today that you'd bless it. I pray, Lord, for every single person that is here, that, Lord, you would begin to give them a vision, <laughs> a Paradise Falls vision, as it were, to believe and to wait for the best that you can provide for them. And so, Lord, we go today rejoicing and thankful for your greatness and your goodness toward us. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Flashed across my TV screen Another broken heart comes into view I saw the pain and turned my back Why can I do the things I want to? I'm willing yet I'm so afraid You give me strength when I say I want to be your hand Everything I am 